listen, we've got three limited resources, time, money, and personal energy. There are things that I pay for because I don't want to spend the time to do them myself. Or they take a lot of personal energy or they take time and energy. At 50 years old, I have a lot more money and less willingness to sacrifice my time. In my 20s, I had a lot more time and less money. So I was willing to trade time for money. I would say the sooner that you can be willing to leverage, a bookkeeping job is a $20 an hour job. My time is worth more than $20 an hour. If I wasn't doing that, I'd be selling Cutco and earning $150 an hour, right? So it's, it's those trade-offs that you have to kind of bear in mind, mm. right? And every year I've asked myself, if I hired me and paid me by the hour, how much would I be worth per hour? Thanks for joining us on the CSP Hot Hands 60 Minutes of Fire podcast. My name is Brett Wiggins and I get to serve as your host so what is a CSP? Uh, CSP is a Cutco sales professional. There are a lot of them out there and they've all got a different answer to the question, why do you sell so much? Our mission is to find out the answer to that question from as many of them as possible. These next 60 minutes are designed for Cutco sales reps who desire to learn from our best in the field. So we interview top sales professionals from around the country with questions provided by their peers to make all that happen. 60 minutes of fire means we get straight to the point. Let's do it. Welcome to CSP Hot Hands. 60 Minutes of Fire is episode number eight. Uh, I am so excited for you guys, for our guest today. Uh, this is someone who has had a tremendous impact on not just mine, but um, CSPs and managers profit and wealth across the entire country. Uh, Adam Stock, uh, owner, leader, uh, Next Level Planning Group, Rising Stock. Uh, myoodbooks.pro he's got a lot of things going on and what's really cool about our podcast Adam I don't know if you know this you have to be nominated by our CSP community you can't just be selected by me or uh, ask hey can I be on the podcast I think that speaks a ton to the impact that you've had and how respected you are by our team so anytime Adam references a resource that's available to us he's going to share it with me uh, after our time together and then we'll make it available to you guys in our resource folder so Adam if you have any any uh, you know, templates or anything like that, that uh, you're like, man, I, this would be really, really good for the team. Don't feel the need to cover in detail right now. We'll spend the bulk of our time on our hard hitting questions. The CSP communities put together for you. Um, I want to directly Great. thank those of you guys uh, who submitted questions for this episode, because it would not be very fire uh, without your help. It would be, it would be like the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts this season. Like the, there may be a small flame there, but it's about to go out, uh, uh, much like the Bears. Sorry, Adam. We're very similar situations right now. Um, so these people made it fire today. John Sasek, Amy Muller, Jordan Thomas, Benji Lehman, Chelsea McDougal, and Kaiser Schwartz, who's joining us live today uh, as well. Uh, Mr. Stock, are you ready to jam? I'm ready. I'm right. ready. And I, oh. I, I will also just in defense say that, like, the Bears did win last night, Monday was, night football. 
it was a great last it was, drive. It was actually a very good, good last drive there. So and here's the deal. Here's my only rub. I needed, I needed 20 points from DJ Moore and I got 17.9, which I know I, I love DJ Moore, props to DJ Moore. If my quarterback would have scored more than 13, maybe we would have won. Maybe it's Jared Goff's fault. I don't know. I don't uh, know. When, <laughs> when you have like kids four and five, oftentimes like fantasy sports is kind of what kind of let you sort of let go of that. Like <laughs> I'm so just maybe, saying maybe I'm the one with the issue because now I have saying, kids like, who are six, four, two, zero, and zero. So it, I, either I'm doing it right or very wrong. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I'm, uh, with, I'm with you in the five kid game. So I, mean, <laughs> Dude, I speak from experience talk. there. Uh, but, so um, I'm sorry that we weren't able to pull that DJ Moore out for you. I think that if we, uh, if we talk more about football on this, on this show, then it will be uh, considered an epic failure by the whole CSP community. <laughs> so let's switch gears like yesterday. How about that? That's fair. That's fair. So before you stepped away and started your career in the finance industry, what, what positions, what roles did you have in Cutco? Yeah. Well, it was the, it was the summer of 1994 that I was a sales rep. I was number 40 in the nation scholarship winner that oh, summer. Nice. So that was cool. And then I, I became a branch manager the next <clears throat> summer. I graduated early from college so that I could open up a branch office nice. and then I went district that fall. So I was a district manager cool. from 1995 till 1990, end of 1998 in January of 1999. I started in the financial services world with Merrill Lynch and was there for a few years. And then I transitioned my practice to Lincoln financial and, and it was, right around that time that I also started rising stock. So rising stock started in 2002. And so yeah, 21 years of rising stock and, and um, yeah, just really, really delighted to be able to serve the vector community and stay really close with people who I, who I care for very much. Yeah. I was going to say, is that, is it fair to label rising stock as it, from my perspective, it's really been a passion project of yours to give back to Cutco number one is that fair or am i overstating that at all i mean yeah it be, definitely began as a passion project i mean it's a it's a bona fide business right now we have several coaches we have numerous account representatives so i mean you know it's a it's not it's not just like some tiny thing sure but um it doesn't i mean it's not big enough to support my any of my like financial life if that's what you're asking sure. yeah yeah no and uh, I, I think the fact I, I think that you've it's, kept it's it a going bona fide for, side hustle i think would be a fair description of it and i think the fact that you used the going lingo, for you know? 21 years though and the amount of i see the amount of time and energy that you put in and that your people put into it like yeah. i think it speaks a lot to your goals with it um what what other titles outside of the businesses that you run do we got dad husband what do we got yeah uh dad husband son brother uh, and you said uh uh father of five that's right so what are we got ages who girls boys? yes this is my family right here for those of you that are watching the video nice two girls and then three boys <clears throat> uh, my 
my older daughter, my daughters are uh, 16 and 13, and then my my sons are 10, 7, and 4. So they're, they're three years apart, almost to the month. So we're about to round the December, January months, which are birthday months. So when we round that bend, then we'll pretty much be uh, 17, 14, 11, 8, and 5. So cool. And knowing I'm just at the beginning of that process I have so much respect and I mean this genuinely, I can be a funny guy. I can make, I genuinely like so much respect for anybody with kids, let alone uh, five kids. I know the tough decisions that go into that, the sacrifices, the lack of sleep, the, uh, the tension between your spouse, figuring life out like that. That's really, really awesome. So much respect for you on that front um, with that big family. What's the last fun thing the stock family did when uh, when you weren't helping others with their financial journey what'd you guys do as a, as a family i would say like ask me that question in six weeks because we're going on a disney cruise oh, dude. and uh we went we went on in december of 2019 and i've got to tell you if you if you ask the world to design the perfect vacation for a family <laughs> of five kids yeah. all different ages and like they have figured it out man disney <laughs> has figured it out like every age group has its own like kids club during the day and the older kids hang out with other older kids and the adults can you know uh i don't want to say this too loudly because i think i'll jinx it but like legitimately have a vacation Oh. And um, otherwise, when you go, when you travel with your family with kids, it's not a vacation; it's a trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you're not familiar with that distinction, right? <laughs> a vacation is relaxing. A trip is a trip. So, it's uh it's very rare that my wife and I get a chance to decompress, and yeah. uh, we have made it a point every few months to do a staycation, just the two of us, which has been phenomenal. But um, there's also something about just like breathing uh, for a, a few days. Yeah, that, my, my wife needs to be talked nice. into the in the in a boat in the middle of the ocean idea. She she won't. She wants to. Get, so I I maybe this is a uh, ask for forgiveness. And I surprise us the day before and say, get in the car. We're going and see if she says, I guess you're going without me or she decides to come because I would love that. I think I think we love Disney uh, and a Disney cruise. Just I now that I've got your stamp of approval i just oh, make it's it. incredible it's yeah. incredible awesome awesome well let's uh I mean, let's i mean i would just tell you that it's playing pretty big though like when i beg for forgiveness rather than asking permission it's like hey can i go um take my kid to the park or something? <laughs> not like it's not like can i go on like a disney cruise i mean that's super expensive so I mean, am i allowed to swear i don't swear very often but i just this is i just I'm, it was sort of a it was sort of a warning to you that like, it could go I, very I wrong i'm just you know it could go really right or it could go really wrong there's risk in that one <laughs> so what are what are some one of the big questions i've i've gotten from a lot of our csb community is you know what are what are some common mistakes that entrepreneurs entrepreneurs make when they're first starting their business, things that they might look back on and go, oh, I wish I would have done that earlier, or I wish I would have waited on that, or I wish I somebody would have told me to set up X, Y, and Z. What, what are some of those recurring mistakes that you see with the people that you're working with on a regular basis? Yeah, 
Um, good question. By the way, I didn't get these questions in advance, so I'm going to do the best that I can um, to answer them. I might come up with better answers like a day from now, but if I do that, then I'll I'll like email you and you can Perfect. get them back. So this is just kind of coming up off the For top sure. of my head right now. Yeah. So I would say the first mistake that we see entrepreneurs making is not having separate accounts for their business and personal expenses. Mm. Like that's, that's really important that you do that. It's really good financial hygiene so that you can actually see what are you making? And I mean, if I ask an FSM or CSP, you know, how much did you make last year? Often they'll tell me how much they sold. And Here's that's difference. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not, that's not a representation of what you earned. And so I think it's super important to understand like, Hey, these are my business expenses. This is how much it costs to run my business. And then these are my personal expenses. Sometimes there's going to be some gray area expenses. I get that, but like you should have a, a business checking account and your commission should flow into that business checking account. And then from that business checking account, you should pay all your business bills. You should also pay yourself or distribute money to your personal account. And then from your personal account, you should pay your personal expenses. And that that's also a really great way to have guardrails mm -hmm. around your spending. So when people have one account that's business and personal, there's no separation, then they don't really have an idea how much they're spending on business and personal. It's all jumbled, all one jumbled mess. Yep. So I'd say that's, that's the first big mistake that I see people making is not separating out. And so you should have a separate credit card for business and a separate checking account. You should have a separate credit card for personal and a separate checking account for personal, right? And then you should just do what I mentioned, have the commissions go into that business checking account, have the business checking account, pay all the business bills. And then when you need to pay personal bills, you distribute money out and you just imagine that you're paying yourself money, maybe like as a salary, every two weeks, every month that you send a chunk of money, to your personal, and then what will happen over time, if you do this, right, your business checking account will grow. Right. And when your business checking account grows and it's more than you need, then that's going to be an indication that you can distribute money out to invest. Mm. Mm. I love I love that you're letting you're letting the uh, the maturity of your business indicate to you when you're ready to do those things, when you've yeah. set it up the right way. And I think that's another right. distinction, too, because I think a lot of people have a business checking, personal checking. They have business credit cards and personal credit cards. But what they don't do is they allow their business checking to pay off their business and personal credit card versus you should really pay the pay. You should tie the payment to those to your business checking for your business credit card and your personal because what it will do is it will inflate. And I know this from experience. It will inflate your idea of what you have available and what and, and it's like, oh, well, you know, it, I didn't spend that much personally. Well, you're not truly separating it then if a lot of your bills are being paid or expenses being paid with that personal credit card. Um, right. Any, anything number else one. on that list top of mind that common? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I got a list. So okay. that's number one. <laughs> that's, not, that's number one. Number two is not preparing for taxes. So that's difficult as an, as an entrepreneur, as, a, as an independent contractor often. And uh, I see people getting way behind in taxes. There, there's several reasons that they get behind in taxes. 
One reason is because they don't understand the tax system. So like, oh, well, I know how to sell Cutco. I can do that well, but I, I don't know. It's like when people say, I'm not good at math, right? Well, I don't understand taxes. The, the difference between the, the two of them is that like you can go through life believing that you're not good at math and still be okay. But like the longer you stay in denial about understanding taxes, like that has can have severe consequences. And I've, I've seen people in, in Cutco and outside of Cutco get way behind in taxes. And that like, what, what seems like this little tiny monkey on your shoulder becomes this massive gorilla, this massive monkey on your, on your back. If I, if I could to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I'm speaking directly to the CSP community because I know this is, this is, this is actually something that I think is a huge area of opportunity. Um, Adam, two things. One, I think sometimes we get jaded as a member of the Cutco community because we, we get recruited when we're 18, 19, whatever. And there isn't always the tax education that there could be. And we want to look at our DVM or our DM and say, it's your fault. Well, no, it's my responsibility. And I think once I owned that and said, you know what? This isn't anybody's fault but mine. I, I, this is my responsibility. I started educating myself now. Uh, the reason that I did that was when I was a newer DVM, I remember there was a year where it was like, holy cow, like I haven't done quarterly payments and I should have. And I owe a big chunk. I need to defer. I need to set up a, a repayment program. So old Brett would have just ignored it and said, oh, they'll send me a letter. They'll send me a and believe me, they will. <laughs> okay. And 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 they and they have they have access to literally put a lien on your personal checking account and take any money that's in there south of what you have due with zero um a uh, 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 heads up. So so I learned that the hard way had a about a twenty thousand uh, dollar repayment that I had to make, and then I just said, you know what, the, the the weight of this on my shoulders and my conscience isn't worth it. It's a low interest rate, but I'm not, I don't I I don't want to live this way. So I just I committed every single bonus check until that was paid off to get paid off. Got it paid off, and since then, with your help, Adam, um, encouraged me to do quarterly payments. And then I talked to my CPA. I have always been ahead of taxes, and if anything, got money back a couple of times throughout the year, which I wouldn't say is a great practice. You don't want to overpay, but it, it, it's so much better of a feeling than that weight on my heart of like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm behind. If you're still tracking and categorizing all your own expenses, I have a message from your CPA. Stop. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are your goals include growing your sales. And one way to do that is delegating admin responsibilities by trading time for money. Rising Stock and MyBooks.Pro is exactly what you need. Rising Stock is an all-encompassing financial tracking and coaching program where MyBooks.Pro is exactly what it sounds like. They just do your books. You can choose to just have them track your expenses or take advantage of everything they have to offer. Do your business and your CPA a favor by scheduling a free intro call today at linktree slash CSP60. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash CSP60. That's Linktree slash CSP60 with a dot before the two E's. Sure. Hey, if you're out there and you're like, I don't get taxes, this is this is important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're 100% right. And I think sometimes what happens is people don't really know who to turn to. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, 
if you work with rising stock, then you have, you have a coach, you have somebody who you can lean on and you can ask those questions. You can always reach out to me. I mean, I'm, I'm available to help. So um, I think that's, that's part of the issue. But I think the other part of the issue is that when CSPs um, or, or, or managers, like I think new managers too, fall into this trap when they see the money come into their account, they're like, oh, this is mine. Mm. You have to remember that if you put the words the and IRS together, it spells the words theirs. <laughs> so you have to remember that the IRS always gets theirs. Okay. So <laughs> it's, it's not just everything's yours. The IRS, right? Like because you live in America and because you, right? Because our com- country is defended, because we have a social security, we have an entitlement system, we have food stamp programs, we, we have um, programs to help people who are in need. Right. And you can go on and on. We, we have yep. defense, we have support, we have police, right? We, we, we pay for that as citizens of the United States. We pay for that through paying federal income taxes. Yep. And, and then locally, some of you are in states that have state income taxes as well. So, so my, my point in saying this is that if every time you look at your the commissions that come in and you're like, oh, this is mine. I can spend all of this money on my business and my personal expenses, then you're going to get behind. So like the easiest thing to do is to set up a withholdings or to set up an automatic disciplined separate tax account. So now you've got the business checking account, right? And then you move the money from your business checking account to your personal account and from the business checking account to the tax account. And if you don't know where to start, like start with 20%. You could end up owing more, you could end up owing less, but it's a lot better than if you start at zero. I mean, if you don't do anything, then you're gonna then you're gonna necessarily by definition be in a hole. What I love about the 20% program is what and something that um rising stock has helped me so much. Usually this time of the year, I'll get all the way caught up on expenses categorizing, and I will have an 11 out of 12 months PL to then show my CPA and say, hey, here's what I have saved for Marine remainder of taxes. Can you run some projections on what I'll owe if I do zero investing, if I put 20 grand in a 401k, if I just put in 12 to our Roth, if I like, and he's gonna be like, here's your options. You could invest this and owe zero. You could invest zero and owe this. You and, and what it allows you to do is have options or you can go, whoa, dude, you made way more money than you plan on this year. There's some great parts of that. And then also here's what you need to be prepared for. Um, but, but you have to save from jump to be able to have those options. Yeah. I don't know that phrase save from jump, but it sounded good to me. <laughs> uh, so we had a list, common mistakes, entrepreneurs make starting their business, any more big rocks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't want this to sound self-serving, but I mean, I, it might, and that at risk of sounding self-serving, like, I think people need to track their expenses. Like, yeah. how, how, how do you know, how do you know where your money is going if you don't know where your money is going? Right. Yeah. And I, I just think it's, it's responsible and, you know, you can do that however you want to, you can, you don't have to use rising stock or my books. You can categorize your own expenses you can use you know software you can use an excel spreadsheet like you can do that it has to be done somebody has to do it so it's really important that you track your expenses 
And I, I think that you'll find that you're, here's what I've learned. When I write stuff down, I became a lot more aware of it, right? When I want to lose weight, I write down everything that I'm eating. Guess what? I lose weight because I don't want to see, you know, eight M&Ms. I don't want to see myself writing that down. So I'm like, I'm not going to eat the M&Ms, right? I mean, it just, it's foolproof, right? I write it down. So if you write down everything you're spending money on, most CSPs that I know, they're, they're competitive and that you're competitive with yourself too. So like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to write that it'd down. Be and, interesting. It'd be yeah. interesting if we created a national sales report, not for CPO, but for profit, how yeah. much more seriously we would all take things like this. Like we pay VAs to do so much in our business to create CPO. Why aren't more of us paying uh, 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 for a service like this to be able to uh, have somebody else take care of it? So I can create, I can, I can focus on the main thing. When, when do you think is the, and this might be a subjective question, but when, when do you think is the right time for a CSP to start utilizing a service like Rising Stock or MyBooks.Pro or, or paying for any type of service like that? I mean, I think if you've made it to a CSP, that by definition means that you've sold a certain amount. Yeah. Means that you have certain a certain amount of revenue. So I mean, you know, it's a, what's a couple hundred bucks a month? You know, like I, I guess if you're selling, you know, if you're kind of dabbling, then maybe it's not worth it. Right. And like if you're if you're if you're selling twenty thousand bucks in a year and you're you know, yeah. I mean, then you should, then you're probably not spending that much on your business either. Yeah. Right. So I think like, well, I think you sort of will know when there's a certain complexity enough that you don't want to do this on your own. Right? I think, I think it's one of those things where once I had it being done for me, it was like, I can't believe two things. One, how much time and energy I was trying to put into this that was taking away from my personal life, my business, whatever. And secondly, I can't believe how much money I was losing the last couple of years trying to do this on my own. Um, you know, there's there's pros at this for for a reason. So so mm -hmm. when somebody is looking for a, a you know a financial advisor, whatever they're they're looking for somebody to help them with finances, what do you think are some questions they should be asking? to find out like, is this individual the right fit for me? Well, I, yeah, that's a really good question. So I'd say a couple of things. First of all, um, rising stock in my books are not financial advisory companies. Right. So we're, we're bookkeeping, <clears throat> we're bookkeeping companies first and foremost, and then profitability coaching as well. Okay. Yeah. So I would say um, most of what entry level CSPs need out of a financial advisor our profitability coaches are able to help them with because they're just level 101 instructions, right? And the level 101 instructions are like, do you have credit card debt, right? Here's when you should pay off the credit card debt versus here's when you should put money in a Roth IRA. Mm. And then like when you don't have your credit card debt and it's time to put money in a Roth IRA, you still don't need to hire a financial advisor to do that, right? Like. There's, there's an American funds program through the company. If not, if not that, then go to Fidelity or Charles Schwab or Vanguard 
and open up a Roth IRA? And, you know, can you put the maximum in a Roth IRA, which in 2024 is $7,000. Oh, so up in it to 7K. I it like was it. $6,500 this year. And then yes. next year it goes up to 7,000. You guys still have until April 15th of 2024 to, 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 to contribute to your 2023, by the way. Correct, Adam? That's right. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, so most, most CSPs don't don't need a financial advisor and you know until the until your situation gets so complicated mm. that you do so it's, it's sort of the same thing with like when do you know that you need a bookkeeping service when your situation is complex enough that you're like i think that i might be missing expenses and mm. therefore paying more taxes right or like, listen, we've got three limited resources, time, money, and personal energy. Those are the three limited resources, time, money, and personal energy, right? So there are things that I pay for because I don't want to spend the time to do them myself. Or they take a lot of personal energy <coughs> or they take time and energy. So at 50 years old, I have a lot more money and less willingness to sacrifice my time. In my 20s, I had a lot more time and less money. So I was willing to trade time for money, right? More so than I am now. So I would say the sooner that you can be willing to leverage and say, hey, like this job, a bookkeeping job is a 20 dollar an hour job, $25 an hour job, like my time is worth more than $20 an hour. If I wasn't doing that, I'd be selling Cutco and earning $150 an hour, right? So it's, it's those trade-offs that you have to kind of bear in mind, mm. right? And every year I've asked myself, if I hired me and paid me by the hour, how much would I be worth per hour, right? And, and then the goal is to try to increase that dollar per hour so that you're not doing any of the stuff that's below that and you keep ramping up and ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. So I could show you a table because I've, I've kept track of it of like, how has that dollar per hour changed over the years? And I mean, I don't know, can I share my screen yeah, here? Absolutely, yeah, go for it. I'll, sh I'll share my screen. Okay, so you can see here, I, so here is 2006, 2007, 2010. For those of you that aren't watching the video uh, and you're just listening, I, I've tracked it. So like in 2006, I wrote, my time is now worth $175 per hour. So in 2006, I was 33 years old. And at 33 years old, I deemed that my, my hour per hour was $175. And then every year, I skipped a couple years, but I would come back and I would ask myself that question. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, well, why is that? You know, and what do I have to do to next year to double that? Like what would have to happen this year for next year? When I answer that question for me to say, you know, a lot more. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, well, these are the things that I need to do this year. So that next year, when I ask myself that question, I can have a much higher dollar per hour. 
So, so I noticed your biggest percentage jump was 21 to 23. What was there anything that happened? Is there anything that you asked yourself and changed during that span than the others that caused, you know, that, that, that's a 50% jump almost. Um, well, anything there? It's a couple things. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so one of them is like this, this year, when, when, when January comes, I'll have been in the financial services industry for 25 years. Mm-hmm. I'll have a wealth management firm for 25 years. And if I was hiring somebody and I had a lot of money, which are the clients that we work with are people that have, you know, a lot of money, I would want to work with a firm who had been in business for a couple of decades and was very well credentialed, right? Like, who am I going to entrust my millions and millions of dollars to? Right. Not somebody with a year of experience, right? So I, I, there's something about 25 years to me that's very weighty. Yeah. Right? And also because I'm 50 and I'm not 80, like clients that work with me and our team who's youngish, they know that we're young and hungry too. And so you're going to be, and you're going to be five kids and I've got a four year old, like, I'm not going anywhere. Right. So they, so they know that. So that's number one, 25 years. And you'll feel that too. Like, wow, this is 10 years. Wow. This is 15 years. Like there's, there's something about the five year increments that makes a difference. Okay. That's number one. Number two, I have friends that are attorneys and I asked them, what's your hourly rate? Right. And I started referring clients to attorneys who were, were charging these. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, what am I? You know, I'm, if they're, if I'm going to refer to a, an attorney, they're going to charge the huge billable hours. Like they, they don't have anything on me. Right. Like I right. started my business from scratch. I, you know, I, was I graduated from a top 25 school in the country, cum laude. I went to London School of Economics. I've got a CFP. I've got a master's degree in personal financial planning. I got five kids. I've been married 23 years. Like, what do you got on me? You got nothing on me, right? Like, so there, there was sort of a competitive piece to it as well. Yeah. Right? I'm like, oh, you know, if they're, if they're going to 1,000, I'm 1,000, right? Like, and then, and then what happens is you just, your mindset shifts because you're, you're not willing to work in the same ways that you were willing to work before. So, you know, recently I did a proposal for a client and, um, and you know, it's a large proposal. It's basically that this prospective clients paying $35,000 a year for me to work with them. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to negotiate. I said, listen, like, um, it's okay with me if you want to try to work with somebody else. Like this is how much this, and I mean, it also came on the heels of me being able to save them. And I, I showed them proof that I was going to be able to save them tons and tons of money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I knew how much time it was going to take to work with them. And I just said, listen, like, um, I hope that we can work together. I think that this is a value. And I don't think that there's anybody else that's going to do the type of job that I'm going to be able to do. So, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to just have, it's a, it's a confidence level. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would also say like, I ended up um, many years ago, John Berghoff uh, 
did a project where he he asked some former Cutco people and current Cutco people at the time to write a book with him. Oh yeah, cutting edge sales. Cutting edge sales. I remember. Yeah. And so I I wrote a chapter in that book, and that the chapter that I wrote is all about this topic. Mm. How much is your time worth? So if you haven't read Cutting Edge Sales, you should go you know go buy it and read my chapter. Our indie our indie reps. First come, first serve. I think I got five copies in the library. Come to the indie office on 86th Street. It is yours. First come, first serve. Wow. That was generous. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, man. It's a it's a great I remember getting it as a key staff member in 2007. It's an amazing yeah. book with a lot of good stuff in it. Yeah. So that 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 concept of the concept of time, energy, and money as three limited resources, the concept of how much is your time worth? Like these are guiding philosophies that have helped me. And they also help me when I leverage my time. Mm. So I hire a lot of different people. And, and I also have a lot of coaches that I hire. Um, and, and I, I think this year I'll probably pay like $50,000 or so in coaches, personal coaches of different types. Mm. And why is that? Well, because, because I want to increase my dollar per hour. And so how I think about it is it's not necessarily like if, if you're a CSP, you might say to me, well, Adam, I, I say, what's your major problem? What's your biggest issue that you're struggling with right now? Well, I need to find, I need to find better prospective clients. I need to find, right. I need to find, mm -hmm. and, and I have a, a little bit of a difference of opinion. I think first it's about you becoming that type of person. Then you'll attract the people that you want to attract right? So in my wealth management company, we have 18 team members, right? And I love my team members in rising stock. I love the account representatives, our coaches, right? In my books, I love those people. Why do I love them? Well, because I, I think in some ways, they're, they're a little bit of a reflection of me, right? Not completely, but like, if you're the leader or a leader of a company, you set the tone, right? And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So yep. if you're looking at your organization and you're thinking, God, I got, I got all these blah, blah, these, you know, slub muffins working for me. There's a reason for that. It's because you're, you're the slub muffin, right? When you, and it's so funny, like I remembered very vividly, I would go to conferences as a manager and I would see these super sharp managers, right? dressed razor sharp, very exceptional behavior, role models, right? And then I would look down the row and I'd see every single one of their reps, like very similar, yep. right? They're all sharp. They're all, you know, right? Cause they're yep. emulating, you're, yep. they're emulating and you attract who you, who you become is who you're attracting. I'm just telling and you right then, now, and then, by gonna, the way, then, we're going to get the word schlub muffin on a t-shirt immediately. Then, right. And then, I would, and then I would see, then I would see the schlub muffin branch manager, right? <laughs> whose, whose district manager told him or her like, Hey, wear a white t-shirt under your dress shirt so that you don't pit out. Right. <laughs> and they're wearing like a shirt with a beard decal on the back. So you can see through, right. They don't have collar stays. Their collars are like all up in here. Yeah. And then what do I, what do I see? I look down the row. And I, I see the same thing. I see a whole bunch of whacked out schlub muffins 
who sold a trimmer for push period, right? So I love how that's your response of, I need to find, I need to find, no, you need to be, you need to be, and then right. that's going to, you're going to track that into your business. You become that, right? Yeah. You become that. I think, um, gosh, there's so many points I wanted to hit on, but I want to get to these two things I wanted to take away from that positive competition with your peers of like, Hey, if so-and-so is doing that, what, what have they got on me? I love that. And then changing the way you work. I think what happens is, you know, we change the things we say yes to, and we change the things we say no to as we elevate our expectation of what we're worth. Working with Trent Booth and the Veritas Leadership Group over the last decade has unlocked things within me that I never knew existed until they were coached out of me. If you're listening and you feel stuck or like you have another gear that you're having a hard time getting to, Trent's offering a free intro call to any of our listeners. I love Veritas because it's an amazing combo of mentoring and coaching. I get what I need when I need it most. It's also a flat monthly rate, which is awesome for anyone looking to give it a shot with no contract and no long-term commitment. Schedule a call with Trent today by going to linktree slash CSP60. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash CSP60. That's linktree slash CSP60 with a dot before the two E's. Um, my, good, my good friend, John Romani says, when you say no to something, you say yes to something else. Yes. Yep. So just keep that in mind. It's hard to say no, but just think about what you're saying yes to mm. when you, when you do set that boundary, it could be a very healthy. Yeah. Could be oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Do you mind if I, uh, you mind if I riff just a couple other quick things? These Please. are not, these are not necessarily relevant to, you know, rising stock or bookkeeping or finance. Yeah. So we, we can circle back to that in a minute. For sure. But, um, but I have a couple. I have a couple little pieces here that that are really relevant here. I have this little thing that I that I keep right next to my uh, computer, mm -hmm. and I I look at this every day. For those of you that are, by the way, if you're on video and you're seeing that I've got this like light shining, I'm really sorry. I that's I, I know I, sometimes I look like I'm a pirate with my eye blacked out here. <laughs> I uh, I normally don't have that, and some for some reason the sun is shining really brightly in the one window that I don't have a shade in. So I, I want to take care of that later. Today. <laughs> Just let me apologize for that. Very good. Okay. So, okay. So this is, this says what matters, what matters more and what matters most. Okay. And this is a reminder of me regularly to ask myself that question. So if I asked you, Brett, Brett, what do you think matters most to Adam stock? What would your answer be? Family. That's what matters most. Okay. What would be second? Um, providing just an excellent service to whoever uh, is part of your business. Okay. And what would be third? Um, your personal growth, your personal development. Okay, great. <clears throat> so I appreciate that. So my, so my personal growth and developments, number one, I'm sorry, number three, uh, number two was my uh, like providing financially support, being supportive and offering a stable environment for my kids. And number one was my family. Okay. Yep. Most people guess that, right? <clears throat> Wrong. What matters most? My personal mental health. Hmm. My personal mental health is what matters most. And the reason that that is what matters most is because when I'm not in a good place mentally or physically, right? 
can I be a good dad? Can I be a good husband? No, I can't, I can't be anything. I can't be a good business person. I can't be a good financial planner. I, I can't be anything. Right. And most people can't either. I don't think that I'm superhuman in that regard. Right. Okay. So your calendar is a reflection of your priorities. I'm not, people don't often quote me, but like when they do, that's one thing that they say. I once heard Adam Stock say, right. That's, that's one of my, my quotable quotes. Your calendar is a reflection of your priorities. A lot of times when I'm coaching uh, leaders, I'll ask them, what are your priorities? Tell me them in order. And they'll tell me. And usually a lot of my uh, guys and girls, it's like, okay, uh, God, family, work. Cool. When you make your calendar, what order do you make it in? And it's never in that order. So it's That's like, right. hey, the reason you're feeling this tension is because your priorities, like to your point, are not in line with how you're choosing to spend your time. That's right. So what matters most is my personal and mental health. Mm. And what matters next is my marriage. And what, what matters next after that is my kids. Now, some people think, oh, my God, that's savage. You know? Oh, just, no, that's not savage. Up, you're, you're not married. His marriage, his marriage matters more. <laughs> Listen, as, as a child of divorce, I think having a very strong marriage is super important my kids like they'll figure it out and they'll figure it out better if i'm role modeling for them what a healthy relationship looks like absolutely i'm not perfect at it right like i spend a lot of time and energy and um i spend a lot of time and energy at this but and i um, think the, the reason I'm, that that's striving in, in from my own experience it you don't i don't have to be intentional to pick my kids, they're my kids. Like it's 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 weird. It's like that's an instant they were born. From the instant they were born, I felt something about them that I've never felt about anybody else. With my wife, I have to be intentional choosing her first. So there, it's it, yeah, it's it, but it, but it's more important. It's more important that the strength of that creates the strength of the entire family. Um, what what's when it. To circle back to the the CSP business specific side of things, I don't know if this is unique. I feel like there's a lot of businesses that are seasonal, but like CSPs in some cases are running very seasonal businesses at times that have ebbs and flows that are based on when their big shows are, when their clients tend to place their annual business gift orders. What What's your advice to them to kind of spread out that variable income or to how to create expectations around those bigger commission checks or those bigger times of the year so that way it doesn't dry up or or they're not mismanaging that. Yeah, that's a great question. So you know, how do you manage the ebbs and flows of, of a business, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> there's a couple answers to the question. First of all, let's let's go back to taxes. So yeah. if if you have a if you have a bumpy business where you do, you know, a lot of your business in the fourth quarter, for example, you can set up your quarterly tax payments to reflect that. You just have to, you have to talk to your accountant about that, right? You don't have to pay equal payments. Oh, Adam, I'm, I'm 16 years into this management leadership thing. And that's the first time I've heard that reference to me. That's awesome. Yep. No, absolutely. I, I have a client who, who's a, a class action attorney. And so he's feast or famine, like on a yearly basis. Yeah. 
you know, you can make millions of dollars one year and then not make any money the next year. Yeah. Right. And so like we work really closely myself and, and he and his wife and, and our CPA in the CPA to, to make sure, okay, how much did you earn this quarter? Let's make this tax payment based on this profit from this quarter. So you, you can definitely do that. So oh, that, that's, man. That's, that's, awesome. where, that's where I would start. <clears throat> and then the other thing is, you know, what you're really talking about is, is an animalistic nature, which is like squirreling away your nuts, right? Like, hey, the winter's coming. I've got to store, store my nuts so that I, you know, I'm not going to get nuts through the winter. So I got to store them. Right. So it's, it's not really that the behavior is, is somewhat innate. You just have to bring it forth by thinking like, okay, if I eat all my nuts in the winter, I'm not, I mean, in the, in the, in the summer, I'm not going to have any nuts in the winter. Then I'm going to be, you know, then I'm really going to be stressing. So what's very helpful is understanding that, your business expenses and your business revenue are variable, but what's typically not variable are your personal expenses. Mm, yeah. Right. Right to the heart on that one. Cause that's real. That's we're, we're choosing to make our personal expenses variable by the incoming revenue that we experience. That's not necessary. Whereas with our business, there are times of the year where yes, we do need to spend more. We do make more, but, that doesn't need to be a ref- that our, our personal decisions don't need to be a reflection of that. Correct. And and normally the variability in personal expenses is much more muted. Yeah. Than the variability of revenue and business expenses. So my point is if you can hone in on this is this is what I need. This is my, you know, what we, what we call your monthly nut. I know I don't know why this this program is bought brought to you by nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Squirrel away your nuts. Know what your uh, monthly is, nut is. Uh, what's the what's All the right. name of the company with the the eyeglass guy? Planters. Planters is sponsoring this episode. There you go. Yeah, Planters Peanuts. Yeah, <laughs> my ten year old would love this because he's at that age where everything that's nuts oriented is a giggle. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So uh, so once you know what your monthly expenses are, right, then you can figure out, okay, well, I need to send my personal checking account $4,000 every month in order to meet my personal expenses. Yep. Right. And then what you do is you have an emergency account and you stuff away money so that if you do have that seasonality, you can cover your $4,000 a month. Yep. So you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to make a bunch of money. I'm going to store away my $4,000 a month. By the end of January, I want to have $12,000 so that I have three months of expenses in case I need yep. to go to that. To the, make power, it- the power of going into a campaign, which for us is four months, knowing you have enough money saved personally that if you sold zero, everything's good. The, the amount of empowerment and enjoyment and joy and excitement that you will bring to your business will, will be reflected in your results because yeah. you're operating from a standpoint of, I don't need any of this. Right. 
Yeah, it's huge. It, it, it is incredible. The amount of confidence, right? And if you look at the very top people in the company, and you could rattle off the names, I, I don't know all of yeah. the names, you know, Jason Jeffrey, Josh Muller, right? I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, they have confidence, yeah, right? And a lot of the reason that they have confidence is not just because they've sold a lot, but because they have got they've got wealth built. Mm. There's a difference between being rich and being wealthy, right? Rich is you make a bunch of money, but you could spend a bunch of money. And wealth is like been, been there, been there, yeah. You you've got a house that's made of brick, yeah. right? And like nothing's blowing you down. And like you could okay, I had a bad campaign. But okay, whatever, right? Like, yeah. So, so that's that's what I would say is like you have to build. One of the reasons that you want to save and invest money is so that you can build that foundation, because that foundation will. It, it's like. It's like Colin Powell said that optimism is a force multiplier. I love that quote. Optimism yeah. is a force multiplier. Well, wealth building is a force multiplier. Because as you build wealth, you gain confidence, right? It's different than cockiness, because you just know, right? You just know. You don't have to show. You just know. You talk differently. You speak differently. You listen better. You, you show up. You show up differently, right? Everything is different. So I, I think that that's that's really an, an important key here is that you're you're building, you're saving so that you don't go through these emotional ups and downs, right? Yeah. Like you don't want your, if you have a seasonal business, you don't want your emotions to go up and down with that business. Oh, dude, I've I've been in that point as a DVM, as an early DVM where money was tight and it definitely was reflected in the way I coach people or in the amount of urgency I put on them, not because it was good for them, because I, but because I was operating from a standpoint of neediness. Um, yeah. It, it changes everything. What, what are, cause I know there, there's, there's some uh, CSPs that are at this early stage where they're fighting this. I want to be debt-free, but I want to start investing. I feel like I can't do both or I have to do one before the other. What are your thoughts for someone who, who says, Hey, I want to be debt-free before I start investing in building wealth. Well, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. um, I think it depends on what you mean by debt free. So I, I'm, I don't subscribe to like the Dave Ramsey, you should have no debt type yeah. of thing. Like, I think that having a mortgage at a low interest rate is a good thing. Like I have a mortgage at two and a quarter percent. I'm not paying that thing off ever. Right, like, yeah, yep. right. That doesn't make any sense to me financially. Kaiser, Kaiser just built a house and feels so fired up about his five point eight. I believe they got him a special rate, which right now is unbelievable. Yeah, but yeah. I'm sitting with you. I bought in 2021 this house, our third house, and I'm at like two point four, two point five. Yeah. I'm like, we're good. Right now, yeah. it's different. It's different if you're at eight. Yep. It's different if you're at nine. Those are different interest rates. Yep. But low interest rates, right? Like, I just don't think that. You should pay those off. High interest credit card debt, yes, for sure, you should pay that off. Mm -hmm. And you should probably pay that off first before you start investing money. If it's at 20% or higher, 
yeah, like you're not going to earn that much money on your investments. So you should pay that. You should pay that off. But then afterwards, you know, so that's a, that's a, that's a strong conversation to your point earlier about, Hey, that's a good question. That's subjective to your situation that a profitability to coach will be able to walk through the, the math side of that and say, this is pay this off right away. Hey, that that's not bad debt. Let's not wait on that. Um, if somebody feels like they're living paycheck to paycheck, let's say they're debt-free, but they feel like, man, I'm just, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm scared to put that first, what are a thousand bucks forward, invest. Any thoughts, any tips, any any mindset shifts that you feel like that person could benefit from? I mean, I think the question is like, what what are you, what are, is it that you're afraid of? Mm. So, I think is it are you afraid of unknown are you afraid of losing the money are you afraid of right not having access to it like what what is it that you're afraid of so you'd say you've got to name what you're afraid of to start you gotta you gotta start with what is it actually that you're afraid of yeah i mean listen we we have uh only like 90 more seconds left yeah (laughs) so and i unfortunately have have a call right at right at the hour here yeah you're good um there's financial DNA that all of us have mm. It's the underlying stories that we create that the seeds were planted when we were younger, when we heard people say things around us, or we saw people do things, right? Or we felt a certain way. And those, those conscious and subconscious feelings that are created into stories, they influence our behavior. And so, you know, if you grew up in a family where you didn't have much money or, you know, I, I helped a family out in, in our, in our city, this, this last summer who was, they fell on really hard times. And I think to myself, what if I was the girl? It's, it's a mom and a daughter. Mm-hmm. What if I was the daughter? Like, what would my relationship to be with? Mm-hmm. What would my relationship to money be like? If I grew up and I was living in a hotel for weeks mm-hmm. at a time, what would my relationship with money be like if I needed to reach out and ask for help? Like, that would be dramatically different than the way that I grew up. Right. right. So I think it'd be really difficult for somebody in that situation to let go of money and to say, Hey, I'm going to invest this money. Right. Cause like they might have in their psyche, I just need to survive. Like, a scarcity. I, a scarcity yeah. Scarcity mentality. I, I love your, I don't even want to call it balance. I don't know what it is, but your, Hey, I'm responsible for my own education to learn about things like tax finance, or whatever. But I also can have a responsibility to help others to be able to change their financial outlook and how they feel about things. It's, it's a really beautiful pull and push that I, I see in you. And um, I want to make sure this guy said, You've obviously, you know, clearly become a, a, an official partner of the podcast, and I'm so thankful for your belief in what we're kind of providing and your pursuit to serve our CSP community. However, you know, Adam agreed to do this 
before it was even a podcast. When I sent out initial texts to get nominees scheduled for 60 minute slots, not everybody responded. And there's a lot of people that had busy falls. Um, he voluntarily agreed to get drilled with questions by our team. He was one of the first people to reply back that he was in. And Adam, I am so thankful for all you've done and provided me over the years. Um, I am one of those stories. I come from, like you said, a divorced family, much like yourself. I did not have a great relationship with money uh, growing up, let alone when I was a new new leader. Um, you've really been part of changing uh, that part of my family tree. And you've allowed me to come alongside your team at times and tweak and try to help improve what's going on at Rising Stock. And you've provided me with resources to help myself and others. And, and in my experience, you've just really been a giver. Um, Rising Stock, from my perspective, like I said, really does feel like a passion project for you more than anything because you love what Cutco did for you and you believe in our people and our business. And I, I find you just want to help our team with the gifts that you've been given the knowledge you have. So I, I am just so deeply thankful for that. I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah, well, um, you're welcome. Your, your words almost brought me to tears. I, you know, um, the idea that I have that type of impact that I changed your trajectory that's a multi-generational change. Yeah. And so like, if you had certain financial DNA that you grew up with and I was able to get in there with you and kind of question and, and map, you know, form and shape, um, your thoughts and you were able to have a breakthrough or two that have gotten you to a much better place financially and, you know, feeling more secure, feeling like you, have your financial a game going like then it's multi-generational because then your kids are going to experience that as well and then the, the ripple effect well. is is huge absolutely so huge confirmed that really, mean, that really means the world to me brett and I, I really appreciate that it's meant a lot to us i can't wait for this episode to drop uh guys don't miss out on our upcoming csp hot hand interviews we've only got two left for season one Josh Muller, Burt Wicks on December 12th. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. And for some of you watching, I want to remind you that all resources from today can be found at linktree slash CSP60. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash CSP60. That's linktree slash CSP60 with a dot before the E-E. If you want to be a member of our live Zoom audience for one of our upcoming shows, email bwiggins at vectormarketing.com. That's B-W-I-G-G-I-N-S at vectormarketing.com. If you loved what you heard today, I'd be honored if you followed, subscribed, or even rated us on whatever platform you use to find your 60 minutes of fire. We'll see you next time.